Our Gospel reading today comes from the Gospel according to Luke, the 19th chapter, verses 1 through 10. Hear now the word of the Lord. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him, because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, he has gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. Well, I loved that new hymn about Zacchaeus, but the tune in my head all week was that variation the bell choir played today. Perhaps you too knew the words from days in Sunday school. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. So goes the old children's song. It is no wonder that children love the story of Zacchaeus. They know all too well the particular agony of being short. They crane their necks to see the screen at the movie theater and would happily scramble up a sycamore tree to transcend a crowd of tall people. And then, to witness that diminutive man be so transformed by his encounter with Jesus that he immediately drops to the ground and promises to amend his greedy ways. All in all, it is a charming story. Charming, and yet the great preacher Frederick Buechner calls it a story of the unflagging lunacy of God. To fully appreciate the unflagging lunacy at play here, we have to remember the depth of animosity the people of Jericho harbored toward that wee little man in the tree. They hated him. He was not merely a run-of-the-mill tax collector. He was a chief tax collector. Zacchaeus was filthy rich and had become so at the expense of his neighbors. His taller neighbors, none of whom were particularly motivated to step aside and help the greedy good-for-nothing catch a better glimpse 
of Jesus. I like the way Reverend Beekner tells it. The story goes like this. The shyster is perched in the sycamore tree. Jesus opens his mouth to speak. All of Jericho hugs itself in anticipation of hearing him give the man holy hell. Woe unto you, repent, they expect him to say. What Jesus says is, come down, I'm staying at your house. The mob points out that the man Jesus is talking to is a public disaster. Jesus' silence is deafening. It is not reported how Zacchaeus got out of the sycamore, but the chances are good that he fell out in astonishment. He said, I'm giving everything back in spades. Maybe he even meant it. And here's Bert Beekner's startling proclamation again. This story is about the unflagging lunacy of God and the unending seeminess of human beings. The meeting between them that is always a matter of life or death, and usually both. The story of Zacchaeus is the gospel in Sycamore. It is the best and oldest joke in the world. The punchline to the best and oldest joke in the world is, of course, grace. We think we love grace. At least we love to sing about how amazing it is. But when we see it unfurled upon someone we deem undeserving, well, we are often offended to the core. There are so many good and upstanding citizens of Jericho gathered to welcome Jesus and to listen to him teach as one with authority. Any one of them would be a worthy host. How on earth would Jesus grant Zacchaeus the honor of his presence for dinner? You'll note that Jesus invites himself to the tax collector's house before his conversion, not after. Which is to say that the heart of Zacchaeus is changed in response to the grace that Jesus extends to him, not the other way around. Now there is one thing that might possibly grate on us even more than witnessing grace given to someone who doesn't deserve it. And that is the suggestion that Maybe, just maybe, we too stand in the need of a grace we don't deserve. The implication that God's unflagging lunacy is not only for the sinner down the street, but the sinner in the mirror. Now, we don't talk about sin very often in these parts, and I suspect some of you might prefer it that way. After all, the language of sin has been used as a weapon by some Christians, leading people not into forgiveness and freedom and flourishing of life, 
but locking them into guilt and shame. And so sin has been all but excised from the vocabulary of progressive Christian churches. But the problem is obvious. Neglecting the existence of something doesn't make it not exist. Not talking about sin does not free us from its power. Not talking about sin means that when our brokenness hurts us, when our brokenness hurts the ones we love, when our brokenness hurts our holy God, we don't have the language to cry out for forgiveness. We don't have the words to seek salvation from the one we are told lived and died to ensure it could be ours to grasp. I think we have to talk about sin, because if we want to talk about grace, we have to name it. Grace doesn't make any sense without an understanding of sin. Barbara Brown Taylor goes so far as to claim that sin is our only hope. Sin is our only hope, because the recognition that something is wrong is the first step towards setting it right again. There is no help for those who admit no need of help. There is no repair for those who insist nothing is broken. And there is no hope of transformation for a world whose inhabitants accept that it is sadly, but irreversibly, Yes, sin can be talked about all wrong, but the solution cannot be to neglect it altogether. Rather, we need to talk about it well, and that begins, that always begins, with remembering how wholeheartedly Jesus loved sinners. Jesus looked into that tree and saw a man he loved, a man with whom he genuinely wanted to break bread. Jesus called Zacchaeus by name and was so eager to befriend him, he called out, hurry up and come down. You see, God cannot withhold love. It is not within God's nature. God is love. There is only ever love. There is no condemnation in the grace of God. There is invitation. And when we encounter the force of God's love, God's unflagging, lunatic love, we too might tumble out of our treetops. We too might shake off all of our pride we too might stand before the wellspring of all that grace and repent of anything and everything that contravenes the spirit in our lives.